It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. I really hope you're enjoying these Voices of Harvest episodes as much as I've enjoyed creating them. It feels like a digital scrapbook of harvest. That said, I hope you're checking out the show notes, watching the videos, and looking at all of the beautiful pictures. I adore the Emerald Triangle farmers that we've showcased on the podcast, and today's guest is no exception. In fact, by my standards, she's a proper badass. I sat down with Tina Gordon at Moonmaid Farms, located in southern Humboldt County, 33.3 linear miles from the Pacific Ocean, on 40 acres of leeward mountain slopes of native rock and clay, and a one-hour drive up the gnarliest dirt road I've ever driven, and I'm a country girl. We spent the afternoon walking the farm, doting on the girls and the bunnies, taking fun harvest pics and laughing. And we squeezed in gardening lessons while discussing what it's like being a female farmer. I love Tina's perspective. I totally dig her energy. And I'm a fan of her style of growing and the strain selections she chooses to produce. This woman is owning feminized farming. You might already know that it's the female expression of the cannabis plant that produces flowers with chemical compounds and terpenes that make it the powerful healer that it is. And let's be honest, we all know nobody nurtures like a woman. Just like the female cannabis plant nurtures us, imagine what the nurturing touch of a female farmer can do for our favorite plant. A cosmic chat is coming your way, so settle in with a strain that feels like a hug. Because it's time to get casually baked. 
I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Tina, thank you for having me at Moon Maid Farms. It's absolutely beautiful here. Thanks, Joe. It's a pleasure to have you here. I mean, it's been such a long time coming. We've tried to plan this a few times. We have. You know, we were supposed to do this in Oakland Mm -hmm. a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember, but it's a layered life. And I cannot remember why fate brought us here instead of Oakland. Well, it's harvest and I am like a little kid in a candy store right now. It's my Christmas Eve. So maybe that's why. But I want to start by talking about... You're no stranger to a counterculture. There's a part of your life that happened way before cannabis, but that kind of oozes into everything you do. So I'd like to talk about kind of your roots in San Francisco before you made it out to Humboldt. I was was born and raised in San Francisco and um, lived for a while in Santa Cruz, moved back to San Francisco. And when I was in Santa Cruz, I really discovered rock and roll. I mean, I'd always loved rock and roll. But um, while studying film, video, video, and photography, I started playing drums and just jumped right into a band. Mm-hmm. And I became obsessed with drums for the next 20 years. And so <laughs> I was like, all I cared about was playing drums, practicing, playing shows, recording. And it was my life. Now, did so. you tour or were you playing within San Francisco and kind of the Bay Area? I was playing in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and we did a lot of van touring Mm -hmm. and like living lean, like very DIY. And um, it was a really beautiful time. It was incredibly modest. It was like brown rice and, you know, a steamed (laughs) vegetable. And it was top ramen and eating what the clubs gave us. It was like pizza and a couple beers. Yeah. And really just digging into like the creative pulse mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. That was the ultimate priority. So it was like living on love, so to speak. You're oh, like yeah. your passion was fueling you, not necessarily all of the money you were making. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wasn't business driven in any way. It wasn't about that at all. It was really about pure expression and finding others to have that pure expression with mm-hmm. and being in um, like a flow state. Yeah. And finding that and being in it and being in those states where it's functioning beyond or outside of time. Mm-hmm. It's like nothing is there except for playing music and there's this biofeedback happening with the crowd. So tell me where cannabis fit in with all of that. You know, I was like a sporadic pot smoker. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I got really into smoking pot because it was really fun to write songs or write riffs. Yeah. And like super simple riffs. But it was terrible for finishing. And so I have all of these like beginnings of songs, mm-hmm. you know, but for me, it, it just never really went anywhere other than like there's all of these all of these pieces and all of these riffs and all these like parts of melodies, you know, and recorded, which is cool. And went into like a really long composition at one point, but it was never totally like I never totally saw that that project through. Yeah. Well, and I find the same thing for myself as a writer where, you know, something will come to me and it seems so good that you're like, I won't forget this. But if you don't write that shit down, you do forget it. 
And so I will periodically, every few months, go around gathering up sticky notes and little notebooks and all of the things and like going back and reading through it and being like, oh, yeah, I can do something with that. Or like, this is just totally stoner garbage, like throw this away. But, you know, you can get those little nuggets that might end up being able to be pieced into something else down the road. And I like the way cannabis does that for me in my creative process. Yeah, absolutely. It's an incredible like shape shifter or perspective shifter, you know, Mm -hmm. and it can just kind of like get you into your head or out of your head or into your body or out of your body, just really depending upon what you need at that time. Yeah. I was talking with John at King's View asking the question like what am I what information am I seeking or what do I want or what do I need and you know and and allowing the plant to show up for you in that way oh yeah I mean this is our teacher this is our guide like this is why we're all where we are why we live here why we're talking about this why we're all completely obsessed with this plant (laughs) you know I went from being in love with playing drums to being in love with cannabis like as a living plant like I am in love with cannabis So talk to me about that relationship and how you ended up here. Well, um, a friend of mine insisted that I get out of San Francisco. This is 13 years ago. Uh And so I came up and at the time she wanted to introduce me to two people. And one of those people was a woman named Joni Hannon. And she was a jazz drummer. And she was the first older female drummer I'd ever met in my life. And I was always like lightly seeking. Like Mm -hmm. when am I going to meet my drummer mentor? Yeah. And I never found that person. And as soon as I met Joni, you know, we sat down and she's in her late 70s. She starts telling me stories and we started like tapping on things and just like motioning to each other. And just we got to talk drums. Yeah. It was amazing. You got to talk drums through drums. Yeah. (laughs) She had a drum set. Yeah. Yeah. My dear friend, Valerie Agnew, she's the person who brought me up here and she she's also a drummer. Mm-hmm. And she she went to Hartwood, which is like very close in yeah. the neighborhood. I'm Here enjoying on. it currently. Wonderful. Hartwood Mountain Sanctuary. Yes. Fantastic. I highly advise people to come up and visit and check it out. And it's a great way to be in the heart of the Emerald Triangle. Yes. And you're going to stay for a while. So once you get here, you want to just stay put for a few days. It's <laughs> it's quite a trek. And it's this is like an amazing race adventure and one everybody should have, especially during harvest. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like the culmination of the of eight months of effort and presence and care and love and intention, all focused on these plants. And at the end of eight months, it's like a kind of reckoning or like it's the karmic consequence of how you've spent your time, the decisions that you made all along. Yeah. And you can see all of it. It's like it's an incredible form of storytelling. Yes. All right. I pulled you away from the drum circle. So oh, oh, right, right. <laughs> so drum set, right? And so then this was rock and roll. Like I loved playing rock and roll. Uh-huh. But Joni was a jazz player, so she had chops. And she was like a technically trained like drummer, whereas I completely taught myself. Uh-huh. And so I would watch her. She's like in her late 70s. She's on oxygen. And she could just rip. Like she was so good. It's so fun. Amazing. Do you have videos of y'all playing together? The night I met her... I decided that someone needed to make a documentary about Joni, and so I just had to do it. And so I ended up making this documentary about Joni, and it did the festival circuit a few years ago. And what's um, the name of it? Joni, Queen of the Paradiddle. All right. Where can I hear it? Or, I mean, where can I watch it? You can see it on Vimeo. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. I'll send you a link. Yeah, I want to check it out. Cool. And maybe we could post that so people can meet Joni. Absolutely. It'll be in the show notes for certain. So Joni and her partner, Marion, ended up just being my dear friends. So I transitioned up here onto another farm with my now ex of a couple of years. During that time, got to be really good friends with Joni and Marion as I'm going through the documentary process and everything. And they were, they just became my pals. And that's who I wanted to spend time with when I had some time. And a couple of years after being here, year and a half, two years, Marion called me up and she said, Tina, I never want to pick up a bag of chicken shit again. You want to buy the place or what? (laughs) And I certainly wasn't really in a position to do that, but figured out how to make it happen. Had you ever ever even thought about owning your own pod farm? No, absolutely not. No, there's, I mean, it's the furthest thing that I could have imagined doing 20 years ago. Yeah. And now it's like, absolutely like it's my life's purpose. Isn't it funny how the universe does that? I love that so much. And a lot of the, the true sun grown farmers who are just like, I don't get to spend enough time in my garden, you know, like those people, it's such a serendipitous way of how they became farmers. Well, it's cool that you would say that because the farm's name, this property's name is Serendipity. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. This is what Joni named it. And so in the medical days, I had um, Serendipity Collective, which was a medical collective. Mm -hmm. And that became Moonmade Farms. How did you dream up Moonmade Farms? Soon after being here, and first off, I think it's really important just to kind of detail this out a little bit. Like, this whole experience has been this major transition and really a process of discovery because the last thing I would have imagined doing was being a farmer of any kind. You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't have houseplants. <laughs> like friends would bring, bring houseplants over and I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, yeah. how gonna... long until it's dead? Yeah. Yeah. It's like maybe take it outside or take it home because I have to go on tour next week. And, you know, yes, that's the way my life was. And... <laughs> And I just had absolutely no sense of the natural world. Mm-hmm. You know, we would be on tour somewhere and um, my bandmates would want to go hiking. And I was like, no, let's go to the record store. Like, why why go hiking? What do you go hiking to do? So you were just like, kind of detached from the whole nature thing. I was completely detached. Like I was full on urban city reality, like would go from indoor space to indoor space on a bike and really not really not pay attention to the natural world and the mm-hmm. natural forces. And it was cannabis and it, it was cultivating cannabis, like getting into the first year of growing and the process of like from seed to going into the ground to like watching this incredible plant grow. And then eight months later, harvesting this plant. And I was just like, suddenly I cared so much about like the air, yeah. you know, the quality of air. And I cared about water and the quality of water. And I cared about like, what is this plant in? And I started caring about the soil and I started caring about like the nutrients. Like what is this plant eating? How does it eat? You know? Did it make you question all the cannabis that you had smoked before? Like, oh, you know, like that to me seems like a correlation that not enough people think about or consider. If you just go somewhere, most people they have a joint, they'll share a joint with anybody that there's no questions asked. You don't know where it came from or what's in it. Well, when I think back to when I was like smoking pot 
from the time I was a teenager and once again on and off mm -hmm. because I would have a really great experience and then I'd have a really terrible experience then I'd have a great experience and it was then I'd have a terrible experience it was really inconsistent mm -hmm. and so I couldn't really rely upon the experience becoming a relationship it was like it just felt like a game of roulette all the time like dating like <laughs> 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 exactly. Yep. There is like cannabis Tinder now. Have you heard about this? Well, I've seen a couple of them. I did actually log on to a few, but it was like there weren't enough of us to be. I'm like, oh, there were 10 people. I saw them all. I guess, you know, maybe I should check back in. Well, there was like, oh, hi, or hi there or something, maybe yeah. the one. What's the one I that you so. know of? Oh, I was actually just making it up. But oh, no, it's a real thing. It really is. You mean for dating? Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking, like, there should be basically, like, find your bud. Find your flower. Oh. There should be findyourflower.com. There's some right? scientific versions of that, like uh, Confident Cannabis, because mm -hmm. it's, like, gets down into the super dirty, nerdy stuff, like... The entire chemical makeup of it. And you can be like, okay, if you like this, then you'll love this. You know, I think that that's I think it's really critical. It's crucial, actually. And one of the things that I noticed and over time and I, I didn't understand until I started like really getting into growing this plant mm -hmm. is um, I started being attracted to like CBD THC ratios. And I didn't really know why. And then I started like using them and I started, you know, making tinctures or smoking them and finding that it worked for me so much more and so much more consistently than straight THC or high percentage THC. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm finding is that when I talk to women, especially, and we start talking about cannabis and they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really like smoking cannabis. And I'm like, why? And they say, well... I used to get really bad anxiety or I had, I, I got an anxiety attack once and I just never, I could never smoke again after that. And then I would ask them, what were you smoking? Do you know what you were smoking? Was it indoor or was it sun grown? Was it, you know, was it like chemical or was it organic? And, um, was it high THC? Most of them don't know any of the answers that you just, to the questions you just asked. And that's a good starting place, right? Mm -hmm. And so something that I'm a huge fan of is like encouraging people to try and to like sample and sample cannabis slowly and to titrate up, you know, whether that's smoking or vaping or edibles or whatever, mm -hmm. right? To just to really titrate up, to go slow. Yeah. And also to start with like a mixed or balanced ratio, mm -hmm. flour, and also low potency because you can always increase, but it's hard to decrease, Right. It's always way more fun to gradually step up and be like, oh, yeah, that felt good. Or I didn't feel enough of that now a little more versus, um, honey, we need to cancel those dinner reservations because I can't move off the couch. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, edibles are not for everyone. Smoking is not for everyone. And that's the thing about getting to the core of this plant and this plant's power is that it really helps people learn about themselves. Yeah, if they if they will listen and if they will go through those steps, because we live in such a world where just tell me what to take and tell me what my dose is. They don't want to think about it. But the beautiful part and the piece of cannabis that is so valuable is that it is this conscious connector. And so it's like, well, it does take some time. You do need to sit alone and be with your thoughts and, you know, and set some intentions and keep a journal and I think people are just moving too fast 
and they need to, you know, slow down and make time to create that relationship with the plant if they really want to use it in a way that is meaningful and medicinal. Yeah, absolutely. And they really want to have a relationship with this plant, which is where it can provide so much. And like that introspection and just that exercise. And for some people, it's a moment of quiet. For other people, it will encourage them to be social. It's like it's such an adaptogen, you know, Mm -hmm. and it works like it works with different people's chemistry. It's just the most incredible, subjective, intuitive plant. And it's interesting because I think that it's going to help people become more intimate with themselves and also each other. And in the shift of perspective that can happen with cannabis and the shift of perspective and the shift of consciousness, like this is why this is such a, an important plant to, to nurture and to, and to cultivate with care. Yeah. And, and I think that actually kind of segues into, you know, the femininity of the flower because you know, when you were describing that, you're mostly describing a woman <laughs> and, you know, and a, the way a woman shows up in a room, the way a woman shows up for her partner or for her friends or her family. And so I would like to talk a little bit about your perspective as a female farmer, mm-hmm. you know, that's cultivating this plant that, you know, could really change the consciousness, help raise the consciousness of our planet. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this plant, which is arguably the most powerful plant on the planet, which expresses in the female form, is about to touch more people globally than ever before in history. And this is incredible to be alive right now to witness this transition. Or to be a female farmer right now. And to be a female farmer feels incredible right now. Yeah. You know, it's hard. And it is, and I think it's important that it's hard because one thing that I I think about every single day is like, how much devotion do I have to this plant? How much, what am I going to stick out for this plant? You know, how much resilience do I have? How much resilience does she have? This is an incredibly resilient plant. Look at what this plant has been through historically. Right. It's incredible. What a story, you know? And so I think that a huge part of this is to acknowledge the fact that like, what is, what is, the shift of consciousness, like where is that coming from? What chemical compound is that or chemical compounds, right? Mm-hmm. And basically it is the, it's the mating call. Like we're talking about plant sex, mm-hmm. right? And so at the end of the season, your favorite time of year, right around harvest is mating when season. it's mating <laughs> season. That's exactly what's up. And so these, these flowers are expressing in like their full express, expression, and it's dramatic and colorful and beautiful and loud. And they're the most like dominant scent in the garden by far. Yeah. And they're and their scent travels, you know, and, and there's a resonance, there's a vibration. Like the garden early morning is just humming with scent. It's mm. beautiful. Yeah. Um that is true. This morning when I got up. I could just, just being there, I could smell the cannabis from all of the farms all around me. It was like 5.30 in the morning, and I'm like, wow, like that really is strong. The nose gets really loud at about 5 in the wow. morning. Really early morning. There's that was fun like, to experience. It's like there's a that. release, you know? Uh-huh. And I wonder if it's like not unlike, you know, the birds in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Or like yeah. everything coming awake. And... And so this is a kind of consciousness shift that I experienced personally. It really, it truly is like an awakening 
that I've been feeling out here and just noticing year to year and season to season all of these things about the natural world that I'd never paid attention to. I, w- I would have never considered without cannabis. Yeah, me too. How is all of these things that you're learning, how do you think that helps you differentiate yourself as a female farmer or maybe some of your techniques or the things that you do are different than, you know, than your male farmer friends? So the thing that I learned about this plant and through this plant is that my lesson was learning to trust my intuition. And my ongoing teaching is about learning how to listen more clearly and deeply to my own, to my heart, to my gut, to my mind, my own thoughts. And it's not so much about learning something new as trying to shed the layers of what is not not serving me and what I've learned along the way. And so it's, it's really, and I think it's a very ancient practice, which is getting to know yourself and trusting yourself and trusting your intuition. And this happened for, for me through cultivation. Mm -hmm. And so I started using like, and it's like, not unlike playing drums. Like I never, I never learned how to play drums. I never studied. Mm -hmm. Right. I just started playing and I used my intuition for that. And Mm -hmm. I felt into that, which was sometimes very uncomfortable because they're the most incredible technical drummers. And sometimes drummers would want to talk the talk and they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're playing in this time signature or this time signature. And I'm like, great. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks for letting me know. I'll write that down. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just riffing. It was just playing. Yeah. You know, and it's the same. Playing is the key word. (laughs) Yes. You're just playing. We're just playing. Do you need to refix those? It's okay. I think it's. How is it? How is it, Claire? Well, if is you're, it all right? I think I'm okay. Okay, as long as it doesn't fly off backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and that was the thing. I wanted to get paid to be myself because then I would feel like I was playing when I was working. Well, you know, there's also this this whole piece about like assuming a role. And as a woman, I think, and I'm just thinking this out right now. Okay. But there's a piece around assuming a role then that I never I never wanted to play that game. And I still don't want to play that game. And one of the things that I recognized at some point is that I think one of the ways that we're conditioned in our culture is for men to choose and for women to be chosen. Yes. And it grosses me the fuck out. (laughs) Yes. Is that true? Do you see that? Yes. It's exhausting. I'm doing this thing. I feel really good about it. But turn around and look like, is, are, are you accepting me doing this thing? Like, Yeah. I think that might be why why I'm still single, because I am very unapologetically this. (laughs) And good for you, (laughs) because for you to be able to express yourself and be completely who you are, well, there you are. Yeah. There you are. And that is scary. That's scary for men to see a woman that is just like, oh, shit. If I want to be with that woman, I got to show the fuck up. Absolutely. So how are you received by the male farmers, like you coming in, you are in the thick and the heart of it here in Humboldt. So how has that transition been for you as a woman showing up in this space being like, here I am? Well, for the first three years I was here, I didn't meet many female farmers. Probably the first six years I was here. Maybe the first actually nine years I was here going wow. back in time now because now I'm I'm on year 13. So it's been a bit of a stretch. It's a good chunk of my life mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And I would go to, you know, the, I would go out 
like shopping, going to the stores or pulled over on the sides of the road. Like there were lots of trucks and there was lots, there were lots of men. And I was like, where are all of the women? And it was incredible, like going to, as this transition started, starting to go to like community meetings and I would see all of these men. And I, you know, realized at some point along the line um, that there weren't a lot of women cultivators out there. And it wasn't until I got involved with a group in Southern Humboldt County called the International Cannabis Farmers Association when I started meeting other um, female farmers. And so that's when I met, for instance, like Sunshine Johnston, you know, or Crystal Ortiz, or all of these women that now I'm just like, yes, these are these amazing, you know, mm-hmm. these are these amazing farmers. And, um, and we connect on farming and perhaps in a slightly different way than I connect on with my, my male friends on farming. There's crossover, there's similarities and differences, you know, mm-hmm. but one of the pieces is like to date, you know, I will crack a book or I'll do some research, but more than anything, I just, I like to observe and I like to just observe and observe over time and try to learn from the inside out, like what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. and experiment and make mistakes and then learn from those mistakes and then keep experimenting and talking to people, which is really wonderful. It's a wonderful re- resource to learn how to, to learn how to learn. Mm-hmm. But first and foremost, it's been so much about like really observing this plant in its habitat and understanding how to work with the habitat in order to do right by this plant. Yeah. Because I feel like the cannabis community here is, you know, everyone will call it open source growing. Like everybody's like, we're here to share, we're here to uplift and, you know, and, and help each other out. Do you find as a woman, like it, it still feels that way to you? Or do you feel like there is some sort of an isolation or does it feel like just a one big family? I think that there's, there's both feelings, you know, like there's definitely like your family or friend farmers who you call each other up when there's an issue and, um, send each other photos mm-hmm. and try to figure out what's going on. Um, and you'd like totally celebrate the, like the amazing moments and want to show someone like your beautiful flower or your beautiful garden or, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more of that now with social media which is being on Instagram is pretty amazing actually because yeah. it's the first time I've ever used social media in any way uh-huh. and I always completely rejected it. But what's happening with um, farmers and specifically like in the regenerative or regenerating, you know, kind of farm world mm-hmm. and um, emerging movement, it's so exciting to see what people are doing and there's so much information sharing going on. Well, and it's also a way for people who want to educate themselves a little bit more about cannabis, you know, following these different farmers or groups that are really showcasing high quality, you know, sun-grown product and and why it's important and why it's different and, and what it's doing for them versus the other stuff out there. You know, it's some people learn from listening, some people learn from watching, and some people have 15 seconds that they're willing to give something. So show them weed porn, give them like two seconds of a message, and you know, you're out. But I, I can imagine that when you're out here in the middle of nowhere, like Instagram can feel like a lifeline to your community. 
Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty remote out here and everyone's fairly isolated. <laughs> pretty and- remote. <laughs> And everyone's really busy. We're working really hard. (laughs) And not only on the farm and farming, but going through this transition. And the regulations are incredibly challenging. And so we're all wearing at least six hats and just, you know, and getting through that. And there's a kind of inspiration in like holding each other in that and supporting each other in that, you know. And it's it's like. I mean, not unlike farming in general, it's, there's a kind of resonance that a kind of spirit that just sort of stretches through all of this, you know, and that is one of resilience and one of just like not giving up, just absolute, just persistence, just will, you know, and just exercising your will season after season. Yeah. Just one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Just, and that's, you know, I feel that way. I'm not growing anything. I'm creating content, you know, out the wazoo every week. And it's one of those things where it can feel very isolating where I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not out in the community. I'm not out with my people going to these dinners and, you know, females to the front. I didn't have time to go to females to the front. I mean, I didn't have the budget to get to L.A. for females to the front. Or where was it? Yeah, Palm Springs. And, you know, so there's things like that where I can feel isolated because I'm like, oh, I have a show to put out on Tuesday. i got to stay here this weekend or whatever. And so it is knowing that what I'm doing is a service to our community and that, you know, I'm playing the long game Mm -hmm. and that the payout will come. But, like, right now I'm just, like... I'm getting paid to write for other people while I'm, you know, trying to build up the subscriber base to the podcast. And there's all the grind and not a lot of the the fun bits. At some point, there will be the harvest, so to speak, for what I'm doing in my in my space. So, yeah, you just got to keep your head down and keep going. Absolutely. I mean, what's happening in cannabis right now, it's really like testing our devotion. I think this plant is testing our devotion. You know, (laughs) daily. And I believe you're right. (laughs) And it's also tasking us with um, getting to know ourselves in a way where we have to get to know our priorities. Like, what are what are your priorities and how much discipline are you willing to exercise to, like, stick to what you want to need to do in order to, you know, continue getting traction and gaining momentum? Because this is like it really does feel like a, a purposeful um, a purposeful pursuit. Like this is the time in life when this plant is starting to emerge and really become accepted on a, a massive, like massive global scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And reemerge. And reemerge. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. I mean, it's like, it's this ancient plant and because of what it went through throughout history, you know, it's emerging like this incredible, beautiful butterfly after being in this kind of cocoon that's, that yeah. gets passed around the world. And I also <laughs> think, too, that that cannabis is opening that gate for all of the other psychedelics. You know, soon I want to be talking more about psilocybin and, and you know, having some of those experiences and sharing that with the audience. Because I'm grateful to live in a progressive place like Oakland we've decriminalized all, um, okay. Yes. I'm like, there's a technical term that's not going to mind. Amphiogens. It's a good word. And you know, and, and I think everybody could benefit from psilocybin assisted therapy. 
And I think cannabis really is just this like diva that's busting through the doors and is like, all right, people, let's get this party started. That's right. I think that she is a door opener and also a bridge builder. And yeah. it's incredible what's about to happen. I mean, to to kind of go back to the whole idea of um, intuition and intuitive knowledge or inherent knowledge, it feels like what's happening right now is that culturally and globally, we're kind of confronting the fact that the modern way is not working. And if we were to dig back and go into some, some ancient knowledge, we'll find that there humanity has been here for a very long time. Yet the influence that we're all living by daily is incredibly recent, like by some hundreds of years. Right. It's a very brief period of time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it feels like there's a lot of healing that needs to happen from the mistakes, major, massive mistakes that have been made. And also the, the key being, if everybody gets a bit closer to themselves and then to each other, you know, if there's like intimacy that is shared through this plant, and we start trusting plant medicine as teacher and plant medicine as healer, like it feels like we could make strides. Absolutely. And I feel like moon made farms had to have come from some bit of that. Like I call my nephew a wizard because he's like all about the planets and the moon and, you know, and your birth chart and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, I, I want to know if there's any sort of that sort of a tie with Moon Maid. Well, years ago, when I was first living up here, I walked out in the middle of the night into a room that was surrounded by windows. And the room was flooded by blue light. And so bright that it was just like, it could have been, you know, it could have been early morning, mm -hmm. like bright. And I walked outside and I just saw everything with full visual clarity under this, like bathing in this blue light. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had just started working with this plant and knowing that this plant is photosensitive. So what triggers the maturity in the plant is um, the, the light cycle. And so I started putting it together like, well, how does the night cycle affect this plant? and then the subtleties of the night cycle, and then the regular subtleties of the night cycle. So I looked up farming by the moon and found lunar farming, and then started practicing lunar farming. So started using a lunar calendar to farm by. And that also enabled me to have some structure to start figuring out, just understanding how to take on growing plants. Tell me a little bit about how how you farm off the lunar calendar. Yeah. So depending upon where the moon cycle is, is when you crack your seeds or when you harvest or when you might harvest weeds. And one of the explanations for this or pull weeds, you know, you're not. Okay. I mean, some people eat there. There are a lot of weeds that we consider weeds that are totally edible, amazing plants. And that have medicinal value. and I'm learning this from my sister and her wife who are really into all the herbalist stuff. And I'll get, what's the stinging nettles? That was, you know. Nettles I, are amazing. Didn't know anything about it. Now I'm drinking tea. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I, I'm learning things all the time that it's like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. That's actually really healthy for us. Or moringa. You know, Love all this, it. All this stuff, it. all these superfoods that I knew nothing about. and um, But yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, it's so good. And once again, it's like the it's already there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's ancient. And like these are plants that people have used for thousands and thousands of years. 
So going back to the moon for just a second. Mm-hmm. Wax on, wax off. <laughs> wane on, wane off. <laughs> wane on, wane off. <laughs> okay. So when the moon is waxing, the earth is exhaling. When the moon is waning, the earth is inhaling. Okay. Right? And uh-huh. so if you imagine like water in the earth during a waning moon and a horticulturist taught me this years ago if you pull weeds or if you just like cut cut weeds or a plant that you don't want to you, you don't you want it to stop growing mm-hmm. during a waning moon and you chop it at the base of the plant where it meets the roots mm-hmm. it will not grow back but if you do this during a waxing moon it will grow back and that's because the water is receding yeah during a waning moon but during a waxing moon, right? Fascinating. It's coming up to the surface. All right. That's good trivia. <laughs> That's a hot tip. <laughs> so, yeah, you you really need to pay attention to those sort of, I mean, if you just pay attention to the natural world in general, you are bound to find these sorts of synergies. And so if you go seeking it or, you know, you want to learn more, is there some kind of um, brain trust where all the cannabis farmers kind of either maybe it's someplace online or someplace where you just go to find all this information or to ask questions or to share stuff? Is there something like that that exists that y'all use? You know, there are a lot of books. I've got a shelf of books that I'll refer to from time to time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really, I think that talking to other farmers is just the way to go. And utilizing online resources, the forums, not necessarily. Well, so if you don't live somewhere where there are cannabis farmers, you just have to listen to Casually Baked's podcast. That's right. (laughs) This is the spot. That's right. This is the hot spot for all of that. Start doing an education series, how-to series. I mean, I feel like my whole show is a how-to series. But this, the Voices of Harvest, you know, I am getting perspectives from all of these farmers while all this stuff is fresh on their mind and they're kind of in the thick of it. They're in the weeds right now. Oh, yeah. You know, something about this plant that is that or one of the ways that I just got hooked is that it's really vigorous. And so and by that, you mean like it'll just grows like a weed or what do you mean? Meaning there are times during the year when it's going through like rapid growth. And so if you leave for say three days, if you don't see a plant for three days and come back to see it, it will have grown inches. It's expressing in a totally different way. Like it's bud formation is like completely different. Got it. John actually was saying that like he had gone out of town and came back and he was like, we were in a field. He was like, I haven't seen this, these plants in seven days. Like, wow. Yeah, it's really exciting. And it's also just like, and that's how I know I'm in love with this plant is because I don't want to leave. Like Mm. I have a really hard time being away from these plants. And one of the, like I have these, these kind of mottos that I like to live by on the farm. And one of them is living things come first. And another is have eyes on every plant every day. And another is this, this plant favors consistency. Yeah. It's like all of these things about this plant. It's like, and it's basically like how to love this plant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, and so, so much of it is about like the human touch and the experience of like having, being in relationship, like physically spending time and like sharing space with this plant. Mm-hmm. Do you talk to your plants? 
we talk, we riff. We also will, you know, we'll mind meld, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I do a lot of just like kind of a lot of glowing compliments, sending a lot of love and golden light. I'll push a lot of golden light towards the plants. Well, since you're a musician too, do you, do you play music when you're out in the field? You know, I used to, and I used to. And I don't mean like you playing the drums in the field. I mean like music on to play for the girls while y'all are working. Yeah, totally. And (laughs) and I I used to do that a lot. And I have played a bit, you know, in the field or in the, like we have small terraces. Okay. Right. So they're like tiny little terraces all over the place. Like little, little pockets where we can sit and enjoy ourselves when we're done here. Absolutely. You know, it's a hike. It's terrace farming. Keeps in shape. And so I used to play a lot of music. And then at a certain point, I got really into silence with the plants. And so I like my favorite thing is to be in the gardens in silence and then just to listen and to use like, you know, to use hearing is one of my senses to be able to get a sense of what's going on. And when I really um, tuned into that is when I started noticing like what different sounds were like when I was watering. And so if I water and I'm not really hearing anything, I'm like, hmm, what's going on? And then I'll start searching. There's a certain sound I want to hear when I'm watering that tells me that everything is moving. Interesting. That the soil is alive. Talk about being present. That's a great exercise. It's, it, it's a fantastic exercise. Another one is walking through the woods. And I like to harvest, like, I like to harvest forest mycelium. Mm-hmm. And so digging underneath and like finding just the right, like there's a certain time of year when the mycelium is just right. And I want to put that into the, I want to soil build mm-hmm. with it and I want to make tea with it. And I wanted like, and I, I also just like love to smell it. It's incredible and sweet and like nourishing just to smell. Mm-hmm. But the way that I can find that is by like what that sounds like and what it feels like to my feet. You have gotten and super in tune. I've gotten into it. Yeah. I am. I'm totally like, I've been trying to tune in and I know that I'm just cracking the surface. Like at 13 years, I'm just starting to get a sense. So, and it's getting more and more interesting, you know, where everything that I'm looking at now, I want to peel back the layers like a bit more, mm-hmm. you know, it was yeah. like the broad strokes before. And now I just kind of want to peel it back more like, and what's happening in the trees? What's happening in the ground? What's happening like with all of these annuals? What's happening with the perennials? What's happening with what I grow here? What grows here and what doesn't grow here? And so much of that is about place and it's about source. And that I think eventually, like what is the hum and the, like the frequency of this land? Mm-hmm. And then how does that translate into the flower? And then how does that translate into whoever's absorbing the flower, ingesting the flower? And then what do they do with that in the world? Yeah. Yeah. That's like the piece of it all. Yeah. And that's what like, and so I, I, I love to like imagine when I'm working with the plants, like I love to imagine somebody smoking a joint. Yeah. And then like writing a song or, or just like having a quiet moment. Or going out and being social, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. like feeling inspired, like yeah. feeling uplifted and inspired and engaged with living, like actually living. Yeah. You know? No, and that's, I wanted to live an inspired life and 
allow myself the way I walk and move through the world to inspire others to want to, you know, elevate their game and do that in their own way. And you absolutely are doing that here. Do you have any advice for female growers or, you know, people that are wanting to regroup and kind of change the way they are approaching their relationship to cannabis? Do you have any uh, yeah, totally. words? I think that the most important thing to do is to look inward and to get a sense of how you want to contribute, like what you have and what about you is unique that you want to share with the world, and to really focus on that, and then to figure out what tools do you need to be able to express that fully. Yeah. And to lean on your community. Do all of those things, but like, I, you know, I can't do it all by myself, and... You know, know, don't be afraid to reach out. This is another thing. And I think it's so important for women, which is don't be afraid to reach out if you're interested in something. Yeah. And just assert yourself and go for it and start and start getting to know your direction. Well, and you and you don't know your direction until you start moving and, you know, and if you start going someplace and it's like, oh, this doesn't feel right, well, then that's the wrong direction. So turn and walk a different direction. But you have to be moving. You have to be, you know, I love to say do it or don't, but do. And that, you know, it's like it doesn't even matter what it is. Just start. Just do it. And you'll figure it out. Just start. It's really it's so much about momentum. You know, a body in motion stays in motion. A body at rest remains at rest. Right. Yeah. And physics, baby, it's physics. Come on. (laughs) And I think that it's so about just like the just believing in yourself to just activate whatever that is just to embrace life. I love it. All right. So if people want to stay inspired by what you're doing, how can they find you on social? Um, At Moonmade Farms on Instagram. Okay. And um, and your website. And the website is um, www.moonmadefarms.com. Right on. And I love um, the marketing materials you've been doing. You've got some great merch, great T-shirts, and people can find all this stuff on your website. Oh, yeah. We've got a shop on the website, and you can get your latest, like, Emerald Triangle fashions. Yeah. Yeah. Get down. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out. I love it. And I'm excited to go now walk through the farm. Thank you. It's like the perfect time of day to do this, right, Claire? All right. Good deal. I'm a huge fan of Casually Baked, so I appreciate you coming out here. This is fun. And here you are in the heart of the Emerald Triangle. Yes. And it's getting a little windy. I'm going to have to put on some sleeves before we go down to the farm. Let's go walk around some terrace gardens. Yes. All right. Cool. Happy Roots. Happy plants, happy flowers, happy people. That's Tina's philosophy on the chain of it all, and I'm all in. Cannabis is a strong, powerful, and hearty plant that thrives on attention and human touch. This magical plant relies on the same essentials as you and me. Clean air and water, healthy food, and a nurturing environment. Natural sunshine provides us full-spectrum light that contributes to balanced cannabinoid and broad terpene profiles in the cannabis plants. Northern California farms, like Moonmade, have the privilege and benefit of access to untreated rainwater, clean coastal air, and diverse soil sets. The combination of these elements is impossible to achieve at industrial scale or artificial environments. 
And I want to talk about that for a minute. I'll give you my real world perspective of how I interpret that information. So here I am, I sit in my studio and I create. I am in a room with bright lights shining on me that warm up the room and feel like sunshine. And I can't see outside. So after a while, to me, it is sunshine. I'm in a box and it feels like daytime until I cut the lights. I can look up and it's 8 or 9 p.m. sometimes, and I haven't breathed in fresh air, and I haven't truly experienced the sunshine. And it makes me feel off. It makes me feel a little weird and disconnected. And so I think about that when I think about warehouse grows. I imagine that the plants that get to live outside and get to commingle with nature and who are talked to by their caretakers They're happier plants versus plants that are in a giant warehouse. And all they hear is the sound of industrial fans and the force of the ventilation system pushing and pulling air through the space. And occasionally they probably hear the sound of a door two football fields away opening and closing. I think about how lonely they must be or the people that have to check on them And they're checking like all three football field sizes of grows and they're not really paying much attention to each plant as an individual. I mean, they can't. There's not enough hours. I mean, it costs a fortune to be able to give that sort of attention to these plants. If you aren't heart-centered, you probably think I sound ridiculous. But if you are, if you're like me and Tina, it sounds like a travesty of a life if you're a cannabis flower. I recognize that not everybody has the good fortune of living in a place where they can grow outdoors. I'm talking about these giant operations that will suck the life out of craft cannabis cultivars. They're ready, willing, and financially able to, I mean, fuck, just pick a celebrity and tell a big shiny brand story and serve joints in a fancy fucking pack so you can impress your friends at parties. That flower that's in there can't compare to the flower raised on a small farm from a heritage grower with 10, 25, 30 plus years experience. It's apples to oranges, as they say. If you're quote unquote asleep, you know, if you're a walking zombie, you might not notice the difference. And that's okay. We're all on our own timeline of awakening and we're all on our own journey. But if you are someone who's waking up or awake, paying attention and trying to be conscious and intentional with your decisions and vote with your dollars, then I would highly consider purchasing flour from craft growers. During these harvest interviews, you've heard the farmers tell us how they talk to their girls with love and shower them with one-on-one attention and the prayer and intention that people put into their plants and farms before they even put the seeds in the ground. I mean, How can you not think that makes a difference? If you don't think that makes a difference, then you probably don't think that what you do in your job and in your life makes a difference to the rest of the world. The truth is, what you do does affect the people around you. I don't care if you're running a country or pumping gas or waiting tables at Waffle House. Every touch point you have with another living, breathing thing matters. How you show up matters, and what you smoke and put into your body matters. You matter for fuck's sake. 
So put good shit in your body and out into the world. Make it a point to nurture yourself, the ones you love, your community, and the planet. What do you say? Let's take care of future us. You can start by sharing this moon-made love with a friend or family member. And if you're feeling social, connect with Tina on Instagram at Moonmade Farms. As always, I'm at Casually Baked on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Explore videos and pictures from my day at Moonmade Farms in the podcast 110 show notes at casuallybaked.com. While you're there, submit your canna curious question. If you're a business owner who aligns with my casually baked vibe, connect to learn more about showcasing your product or service on the podcast by emailing ask at casuallybaked.com. And I always appreciate your help in spreading the gospel of responsible cannabis. So please rate and review Casually Baked the Podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Much love to you for Puff Puff passing it on. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. La Osa is in the house capturing and editing the video version of the podcast available on YouTube and channel 203 on Cannabis Club TV. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're finding your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.